Welcome to the Jig Is Up podcast with your hosts, Darcy and Jason. The Jig Is Up is recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, as well as the lands of Treaty 6 Nations. We aim to bring you new perspectives and open up conversations about Métis politics, culture, and current events, as well as stories that affect Indigenous from all over. If you like the show, or you don't, or if you want to send us suggestions for guests or topics to discuss on the show, feel free to email us at metispodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on all of the social media at Métis Podcast. All right, well, welcome to the Jigs Up, and uh, I'm excited today because joining me is Heather Morjo. Welcome, Heather. Yeah, thanks, Darcy. Um, so I, th- I wanted you to come on today just because we've we've been involved in the White Bison organization here a little bit in the last year, mm-hmm. and so I kind of just thought it'd be kind of cool to get a little bit of a history as to because you were really the catalyst for all of this happening, um, for getting a bunch of people f- trained as facilitators and and starting up the programs here in Calgary. So I just kind of wanted to to have you on to just talk a little bit about that. Like, why is how did it start for you? Why is white bison important for you and and that kind of thing? Yeah, awesome. So. I'm so happy to talk about it. I'm super passionate about it. Um, well, I'm gonna go back a little bit further and explain a bit about what white bison is first. Sure. So about 30 years ago, a man by the name of Don Coyas from the Mohican Nation, yes, Mohican Nation, uh, he was an AA member and saw yeah. that there were some gaps in the system yeah. where, you know, when an Indigenous person is walking into an AA room, they don't stick around, right? Right. And, and why is that? And what can we do to make 12-step recovery more approachable? for Indigenous people. So he created the Medicine Wheel and the 12 Steps and the White Bison um, Society. Mm -hmm. And then from there created a whole series of amazing programs for cultural healing. So there's the uh, Mending Broken Hearts program, there's the Warrior Down, Mothers of Tradition, Fathers of Tradition, there's a whole gamut. Yeah, there's Sons and Daughters of Tradition, like everything, yeah. like a whole, I think there's 10 different programs and they apply to like different demographics, men, women, yeah. and youth, right? Yeah. So I had a friend of ours, Bob Federchuk, approached me and he mm. had recently heard about training that was happening in central Alberta. Yeah. There, um, the central Alberta fetal alcohol spectrum disorder association was able to get the training contract for central Alberta and for Alberta. Nice. So they were bringing in the trainers uh, who had mm-hmm. been down to Colorado where White Bison was originally created, yeah. bringing the programs up to Alberta, training people in Alberta, and they were traveling to their, back to their communities and bringing this program to their community. Yeah. And Bob told me about this, and I had never actually even heard of it. Right. I right. had heard of different... Uh, cultural recovery programs, but nothing okay. really quite as impressive. Yeah, yeah. So I researched it and instantly fell in love. And so I was able to talk with the right relations team at Wild Rose United Church, and they had some mm-hmm. money left over from the arts festival. Okay. So I was able to get them to donate that money to Bob to make sure that he was able to get the training, because it's not, mm. it's, it's quite... Costly, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Um, because you are gaining facilitator <coughs> certification right? yeah. from a program that is uh, expecting something from you, right? They don't for sure, yeah, 
give people training and say, hey, good luck. <laughs> you know, they actually do support people after they've been trained and make sure that they can establish groups in their area. Nice. Bob came back and we were able to start a pilot project here in Calgary. Um, mm-hmm. Our first try was actually in a church, yeah. which was not the best idea. <laughs> but it was space available, right? It was right? space available and we're grateful for it, <coughs> but it was really one of those things where you've got like a whole culture of people who have been traumatized by religious institutions trying to come into a religious institution to mm-hmm. cure intergenerational trauma. It doesn't really work. Yeah, for right? sure. Like it was not a great concept, but Absolutely. it at least let us know that yes, there was interest. Yes, there was people who were excited about the idea and wanted to do this. So mm-hmm. from there, we were able to secure uh, training funding from the government of Alberta for um, six certified Wilbriety facilitators. So nice. in the medicine and medicine wheel and twelve steps. Yeah. And then the Mending Broken Hearts program. And four of them are Indigenous. One of them is Elder Marilyn Chingich. Mm-hmm. And from there, we were able to get funding from the Calgary Foundation mm-hmm. to launch our first groups at the local Métis 87. Right um, on. They donated space to us. Yeah. And you yeah, and they've been really good, actually. They, they've been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> and so we've got groups happening there now. Yeah. Uh, on Mondays is the men's group. On Tuesdays is the women's group. Yeah. And then... Um, you just started Mending Broken Hearts as well. Yeah. Michelle is... <laughs> your your lovely wife is the reason that... <coughs> um, Aboriginal Friendship Center of Calgary. And yep. they have a location downtown called the Hub, the Indigen mm-hmm. Hub. And so it was a great location. It's right on yep. the train line. You know, it's already a community hotspot. For sure, yeah. Right, for Indigenous people. So they were able to donate space to us. And we started just this past Monday and had probably 25 people come in. That's amazing. And I, I think the, the thing that I've noticed about these programs is, is just <clears throat> how easily they fit into any Indigenous um, I guess culture because mm-hmm. they're not specific like it all starts off like it's a very similar process through them but the it doesn't you're not doing somebody else's ceremony mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that's really kind of important for for indigenous I mean these can be put in any community and they kind of fit so yeah. that's what I I've, I've always enjoyed that about them yeah absolutely it's something that can be tailored to your culture yeah. Right. It's not. <coughs> you have, it's not pan-indigenous. Yeah. Right. But it is very easy to in, inject your culture into it and enrich it that way. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that too. So, like, how how much? I guess, you know, you talked about getting grants and stuff, but like, it's actually quite difficult in today's environment to get really any funding. Yeah. Um, <coughs> unless you kind of already have an inroad in those you know areas so <clears throat> has that been one of the biggest challenges to this whole thing is just getting funding to to train people to bring the programs in definitely yes yeah um getting grant funding is difficult freedom's path recovery society is a young charity we're only a yep. couple years old yeah. so nobody really knows what we're doing in the community <laughs> and so when we're presenting you know this is the project we'd like funding for they're like yeah. well who are you you yeah. know, they have no idea who we are. And, but we've been 
you know, we've had two successes out of the many applications we've sent out, yeah. and that's great. Mm. Right? Even even one or two successes makes a, a huge difference. Yeah. We also had a couple individuals in the community who heard about this project and approached yeah. David and wanted to be funding backers. Okay. So because Freedom's Path Recovery Society is a charity, we accept donations, right? Yeah. And, and you give tax receipts, all exactly. that kind of charity stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's there's a few people in the community who really see the work we're doing as important mm. and essential to the community. Wow. And so they are like really I, I don't want to call them angel donors, but that's really what they are. They donate a good yeah, chunk. Yeah, they, they yeah. make significant contributions to make yeah, yeah. sure we can keep doing this work. That's and amazing. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, because it's I even getting to the point where you're a charity is a tough road. Like I don't a lot of people don't understand that road, but I mean it's not like you just fill a paper and mm-hmm. send it in and a week later you're a charity. It's like uh I heard right now it's like a three to four year process. Yeah, it was. So like, yeah. it, and it's, you got to have your financials in line. You got to have this, you got to have that. And if one thing falls apart or they don't like it, you got to start over right from scratch and do the whole process again. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like they work with you on it. It's just have everything in place or not. Yeah, exactly. So. And, and with David, I mean, I mean, he's the executive director. Yeah. He's been doing this for, he's been doing social work for 20 years. Yeah the Pathway to Freedom program, he's been doing it for 12 years. So when he was approached by people who were like, you know what, this needs to be a charity. This needs to be a service that's available in Calgary. It was a perfect fit. Yeah. You know, because the groundwork had already been laid. Yeah. You know, this has been decades in the making, right? And the variety component to it is new, Mm -hmm. but it fits very well because it's all like the key point of Freedom's Path Recovery Society services is to ensure that these are available free of cost. Yes. And that's one of the key things of White Bison is that you don't charge people to get healthier, heal, or get, you know, they stay in recovery or anything like that, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So. And that doesn't mean that it's free for us to provide those services, right? Like, right. Um, ordering the materials, making sure that we've got space, making sure that the elders are properly given honorariums for oh, sure. their time. Yeah, that those are all expenses. Absolutely. Right? Well, and just even things like tea, coffee, totally. like all these things. It just kind of it seems like little things, but they tend to add up. Yeah. Quite quickly. Yeah, but it's so important <coughs> to be able to make these free and open to the community. Yeah. Right. So have you have you had much response from people who've maybe even taken the program elsewhere or just are in? And I don't want. I know we don't want to get into people in the program, but what's the response been kind of from, I guess, participants or former participants or just community in general that you yeah. found? Yeah. So uh, we had, I think, five people complete the pilot um, launch. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. When when we had that, and they were elated with it, and I still yeah. keep in touch with them, and they're all doing very well. I. I'm not going to comment about like their sobriety or their past For sure, or anything yeah. like that, yeah. but I will say <coughs> their feedback was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Take a drink. It's easy. It's, it's all good. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I suddenly have a cough yeah. now. I don't know why. It's a dry air. I know. Um, but their feedback was fantastic. They talked about how the program helped them connect to culture that they had been 
disconnected from. So some of them were scoop survivors, so people mm. who were adopted out from their family of origin. They're indigenous, but they never actually had the opportunity to learn any of these things and didn't know where yeah. to go. So they saw this program on Facebook, and this was sort of like the first stepping stone to yeah. connecting them to people in the community who hold ceremonies and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was really special for me to be able to be a part of that because it's, it is intimidating to enter into a community like the Indigenous community when you know that there's protocol, you know that you don't want to appropriate, That's you right. know that there's already been painful history that nobody wants to see, well, hopefully nobody wants to see it repeated. And so it was really exciting to see them like take those first steps here and then yeah. go out into the community and start building those relationships. Wow. That was the, probably like the <coughs> highlight for me. Um, there's also been, you know, family of people who are yeah. in, like, so people who are struggling with addictions and their family members are coming into the program. Nice. Because what often happens is people who have addictions, their loved ones and the people who are around them, <coughs> they start experiencing um, addictive behaviors, mm. right? And, and dysfunctional behaviors, trying to accommodate this person with the addiction. Yeah. So we've had family members who start by saying, oh, this would be really good for my son, daughter, husband, wife, yeah. whoever. And then we say, well, what about you? You know, do you need support? Because you're trying to live with this person yeah. who's struggling with addiction and you need support too. Yeah. So then they come and then there's been this amazing um, development of them building their own support network. Well, that's one of the things that I know that I, personally for me, um, I can say I'm not in recovery from, you know, alcohol or drugs, sure. but just the, just going through the healing steps of it, even the, the 12 step, uh, the way they have it in the, the, the white bison program, mm -hmm. like it's, it really is healing, even if you don't think you need it. Um, cause I, I, like I have to admit when I, when we first did the facilitator training, I was like, well, this would be really cool. But I didn't really expect me to get a lot out of it. Like I was like, oh, this would be really cool. Go learn, you know, learn to facilitate. Yeah. But what I really walked away with going was, wow, I got a lot of healing to do. And there's a lot of stuff that I can work on to be a better human being. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, and it's not a negative, but it's a, it's a positive. Like you walk out going, wow. Like I know those 12 steps were built for alcohol, but they apply to so many things. Because it's really just taking stock of your life and trying to figure out what kind of life you want. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I think it's so silly that we just, well, that's for alcoholics. Mm -hmm. But it, it's really for anybody. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> so. Yeah. And, and really for anybody that feels a disconnection from community. Yeah. Like any community. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of people will come to 12-step meetings simply because it, it helps them connect to people in a way that they can't get anywhere else. For sure. You know, and so that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and the one thing, um, I guess the one of the other things you mentioned was the connection to culture. Because mm -hmm. I've noticed, like there's a, there, it's, it's tough because I think, you know, if you're visibly indigenous, people just expect you to be, you know, fully indigenous. Yeah. You know, you've, you've done the powwow trail for your whole life, that whole, like that whole thing. 
but even beyond that, like even if you've done that, but you've moved to a new community and for a job, for whatever, mm-hmm. well, you're now kind of the outsider. And I, I really feel like this, I've seen a lot of people, well, I've seen some people really kind of start to see that connection mm-hmm. to culture, to local elders, right? It's because <clears throat> it is hard and it's very intimidating to try to figure out, like you can't just walk up to an elder and be like, hey, let's hang out or yeah. something, you know? Um, so I think it's really cool to kind of see that. And then what I really like is the fact that we're doing it in a Métis space, mm-hmm. which for me was was a bonus because it's, you know, you're you're in there and there's books about Métis history and there's, you know, but just being in the local, it's, I think it's important. It kind of makes, it makes it feel really indigenous, like yeah. really connected. Yeah, and being so. able to hold smudge ceremonies and do drumming and, Totally. Sing our songs as loud as we love to <laughs> sing them, right? Like that's that's all important <clears throat> Absolutely. for the healing process. So yeah, I, I'm I'm so grateful that you were able to make that connection for. Well, us. and uh, you know, I I mean, kudos to the local here in Calgary um, mm-hmm. for for donating their space. Yeah. Um, because it has been a huge bonus mm-hmm. or benefit to us. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we'd love to be able to rent it from them, but that's again comes down to funding mm-hmm. and. We'll get there. You know, <laughs> but that's just it. You build the programs. It's a marathon, right? Yeah. And I think um, one of the goals is to make sure that these programs kind of continue on. So you'd mentioned Mondays and Tuesdays here in Calgary, but not to just end and then six months later have another program. It's to kind of continue them on. Yeah. So once the first program's finished, great. <laughs> Next week we're starting on the second run of it again. Yeah, that's the hope. And, and the goal is to make sure that we've got a consistent space where people know they can come yeah. and and immerse in these teachings and connect to them in a really good way yeah. and connect community in a really good way. Absolutely. Right. So that that's my end goal is to make sure that this is like a legacy project, like something that we have going on for years and years and yeah. years. Yeah. Well, it's almost like you look at the AA rooms and it's like, I'm sure there's rooms in Calgary. I've never been to them, but I'm sure there's rooms that were started by some people. Mm-hmm but they're being run by other people now. Yep. And it's kind of the same principle where it's like, we just want to make sure that somebody has a place to go every week mm-hmm. if they need to, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's, to me, that's really vital. Yeah, but. exactly. And, and I do see a difference in that between mending broken hearts and the medicine wheel and 12 steps. Mm-hmm. Um, medicine wheel and 12 steps definitely want to see it continue in uh, specific locations for yep. a long, long time. Mending Broken Hearts, however, I would like to see it move around all throughout Calgary. Okay. And um, of course, everyone, the, all the facilitators have different approaches to it, so I'm not saying sure. that this is the end all be all. But yeah, yeah. What I see with Mending Broken Hearts is it is a program that is designed to heal intergenerational gr- trauma, mm-hmm. uh, trauma and grief. Right and addresses grief of unresolved relationships. So this can be relationships with people who have crossed over, passed away, or you've just had to move them out of your life because they're toxic, or you've just lost contact. Like, yeah. it can be, it can run the gamut. Yeah. Right. But what we're looking at in this, in the Mending Broken Hearts program, is all Indigenous people have the shared history of colonialism. Mm-hmm. as a trauma that has not been addressed. No. And, and continues today. Right. And so when we come together with the intention of, you know, working towards healing, yep. and, and we do that in a way that is Indigenous-led, 
is a program created by indigenous people. I feel like that's incredibly empowering. Absolutely. And so I really want to see that, you know, we'll, we'll, we're doing it right now at the Aboriginal Friendship Center, but I want to see it go over here next into another program again yeah somewhere else and then maybe just to make it more accessible to everybody kind of thing yeah Yeah, exactly and just make sure that it's in spaces that like different people feel comfortable right and are accessible through transit or whatever um and that's just because you know each time it's going to be a different experience each time the the surroundings are going to affect people differently but we've gotten to this point where I don't think there's a whole lot of indigenous people who are sitting around saying, man, I really want another white person <laughs> to give me another program yeah. to fix myself that they've Absolutely. come up with, right? We're done with that. We're yeah. tired. We are able to lead our own healing. Don Coyas did an amazing job of laying out this program and creating these videos. He's an amazing teacher, right? Yeah, so, I've never heard a bad word about him, so. Uh, like watching... Both of these programs, all yeah. of the programs, I believe, involve watching video teachings like that, yeah. that he has recorded. Yeah. Um, he's hilarious. Yeah. Right? Like, he's, he's so <laughs> funny. And you know a really good knowledge keeper by the fact that they can give you, like, traditional teachings and make you laugh. Absolutely. And make you think. Yeah. And make you emotional. And related to things that are happening today and technology in the world today. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's brilliant watching him. Yeah. And every time... I've watched it. I learned something new. It sinks in a little deeper. It for sure. t- it resonates on a different level, and yeah. it's amazing. Well, that's what I've noticed. Is even you know we we did the facilitator training. You watch those videos, but now we're doing the program and watching the videos again. And it's like, I know I'm getting more out of the videos the second time around, even though I got a lot out the first time. But it's mm-hmm. now I think you know obviously I'm in a different place now, mm-hmm. so now I'm getting different information out of it. That's because every night that I watch those videos, it's kind of like an aha moment goes off. And I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. Well, that's something to think about for the next week and until the next video. And uh, so I, I haven't been facilitating the Mending Broken Hearts, but the difference between the two, one is specifically for 12 steps. Mm-hmm. It, so that one, they basically, they took 12 steps, translated it over into an indigenous lens. Yeah. And so <clears throat> with that, everything's focused... Um, basically on indigenous teachings. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the medicine wheel, the four directions, all that kind of stuff, and it relates it that way. Mm-hmm. So how do you, do you, if you, do you think they work together? Do you think they, people should take one over the other? Or, or I guess, if somebody was just, I guess, I guess it's tough, because one's for recovery and addictions, but one's not, one's yeah. just for trauma, so. Yeah, I would probably say either of them are good. Yeah. Right, we'll start by saying that. Yeah. But if you could only take one, take the men in broken hearts. Yeah. Right? Because the the 12-step program can be daunting for some people. It's 18 weeks instead of 8 weeks. Yeah, that's true. Right? And for some people, it's a, it's a slog to yeah. go for that long. Whereas the 8-week program is more introspective, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're looking at your own family history and your own history as compared to just addiction. True. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little broader, right? And I feel like it kind of it's it's kind of that key into the door of healing, mm-hmm. right? So if I was to if somebody said, well, which one should I take first? And if I can only take one, I'd probably say mending broken hearts. Yeah. And then and then see what comes. Yeah, for right? sure. 
Well, the, and the thing is, is they the two of them use similar tools mm -hmm. to, throughout the healing. One of them being like mind mapping and stuff like that. And actually, you know, one of the things I noticed that I it's funny. I, I you go through something like this and you think you know, or the arrogance or ego of a person, but they you think you know quite a bit. But then you go through and you realize things that are so simple mm -hmm. that you're like, why didn't I not doing that? And one of the things for me that I noticed when I did the facil facilitator training was. I don't really plan ahead. Mm -hmm. Like, so the idea of like, well, what do you want your life to be? I'm like, I don't know. I just go to work. And, but I think that's where most people are is we get stuck in that rut of just, I go to work, I come home, I eat supper, and, you know, I do whatever. Mm -hmm. On the weekends, I do this and this and this. And then I start it all over back on Monday. Yeah. And you never put that thought in, okay, well, what kind of human being do I want to be at the end of the year? What kind of relationships do I want to have with my friends? Mm -hmm. uh, my family, my, you know, my spouse or partner, or my kids, you know, like, I don't know if a lot of people sit down and actually think about those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And that's for me been one of the biggest benefits, I guess, to, to doing it was just learning that. Yeah. Um, so it's amazing. It's been amazing. Yeah. And learning that it's not static. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Like a lot of people who have been pigeonholed, Right? Yep. It's like, oh, you're you're an alcoholic, so you're only ever going to be this. Yeah. Or you're indigenous, so you're only ever going to be that. Yeah. Right. That's can we can take that on, and not even realize we've taken it on. For sure. Right. And then you you start when you get into the program and you get to do that healing, like you're talking about, and look at well, who do I want to be? What yeah. does it look like to be a spiritual indigenous person? Yeah. Who do I build relationships with, and what For do sure. those relationships look like? Well, and how do you interact with your community? How do you walk through your community? Like, mm -hmm. how do you how do you want to be in your community? And I think that's a huge, huge amount of healing. Yeah. 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 And I, I agree with you. Like, it's definitely helped me shape how I imagine myself down the road, yeah. right? And was able to re-examine, like, how do I want to express my art True. as an Indigenous person? How do I want yeah. to communicate my creative side, right? And that yeah. kind of shifted after taking the Wobriety program. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I know for me it's been really eye-opening because, like I said, I went into it thinking, you know, I'm good. What do I, you know? But I think the the reality is, is there's, in all of us, especially with Indigenous people, there's so much trauma for generations mm -hmm. that even if you think you're doing good, there's still stuff you need to work on. Mm -hmm. And it, it isn't that you're a horrible person now. It's just that why not be better? Yeah. You know, and it, I'm in an industry where everything that they, we do is supposed to be, you know, constant improvements. Mm -hmm. And yet in my personal life, never put thought to it. Yeah. So, and I, I think that, I think it's important for people to take that time to be introspective and mm -hmm. especially with programs like these where it's indigenous focused, indigenous led, yeah. indigenous based. Yeah. I mean, that is so critical to the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and honestly, if somebody goes through the program and says, no, I'm happy with where I'm at, that's good too. You know, well, that's like, just it, right? Like if, you, if you go through the program and you come out of it feeling like you don't have anything you have to improve on, okay. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know. Absolutely, and that's the thing too, is like you get one of whatever you're, you're going to get out of it whatever you need. Mm -hmm. um, and so everybody's experience through it is going to be different. Totally. Just based, I mean, your, your life experience is different, right? So. Yeah. So what, um, I guess moving forward, like you mentioned being able to have Wellbriety move around. Mm -hmm. um, 
I guess, what, what do you hope to see in the next 12, 24 months for Freedom's Path, which mm-hmm. we should mention, I, I guess I should mention and clarify, Freedom's Path Recovery Society is how we've been able to do all this yeah. facilitator training and things like that. And, and so hugely appreciative to them. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but so what do you think the, the next 12 to 24 months might be? Yeah. So um, recently we went to a circle discussion about op- opioids here in Calgary and, and the opioid crisis. And one of the things mm-hmm. that um, Michelle was bringing to the other agencies is the fact that we can come to your agency with our trained facilitators and provide this program to clients at other agencies. Oh, good. Right? Okay. So, um, this is not just Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Yeah. This is not just White Bison's. This is something that we can, you know, bring to another treatment center or another shelter or another mm-hmm. community outreach program and provide it for them there, yeah. right? And so that makes it really versatile. So that means that, you know, you, you're hearing about this and you think it's great and you're like, oh, we really need this at our agency. I better start looking for funding to train facilitators. You don't have to do that. You can yeah. come to us. We can facilitate it through your program. Yeah, because the the, the facilitator's I guess certification is for the individual. Exactly. And they take that with them wherever they go. Yeah. Yeah. So. And so we're trying to be sort of like a, a hub, where mm-hmm. if people want to have this program at their agency, we can be a contact and and we can figure out who can be the best facilitator for that. That's awesome. Um, so that's a big thing that I really <coughs> want to build on is yeah. you know getting this out to the community, different agencies, different groups, different communities, whoever would benefit, mm-hmm. uh, and letting them know like it's available and we can make it happen. Right on. I want to keep building on the opportunities that we've had for you know people approaching us saying, I've got space, I've got this, mm-hmm. I've got that. You know, those are our lifeblood right oh, now. Oh, for sure, yeah. And so when people are able to open their doors to us, make it possible, that makes it possible for us to do that work. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm the grant writer for Freedom's Path Recovery Society. So you do a lot so, of writing. Yeah, I'm, I'm behind the computer for many hours a day. <laughs> Exciting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And well, it actually is because <laughs> my, my first love was writing. Nice. So to be doing writing as part of my job now is yeah, awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's right? wonderful. Yeah. Well, at least you enjoy it because I know it was it was like it was painful when I was doing it. So yeah. no, it's it's pretty cool for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, and um, so I'm gonna keep working at that and mm-hmm. keep building it out. Um, White Bison Society has expressed an interest in a Canadian what well variety conference. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this was um, um, going back to this summer. Mm-hmm. I guess we should go back a little further than that. Um, one of the things Don Coyus created as part of the White Bison Society is the Hoop of a Hundred Eagle Feathers. Yes. So I'm not going to try and retell his teachings behind the yeah. Hoop of a Hundred Eagle Feathers because he does it much, so much better, better than I do. Um, <laughs> but it was... Uh, traveling through North America and came through the O'Chiefs Nation in central Alberta. And yeah. so David and I got the opportunity to go to the O'Chiefs Nation and, yeah. and be part of that ceremony. And it was so profound. I had waterworks. It was just like, oh yeah, it was so beautiful. And there were so many people there. They had, we weren't able to stay, but they actually had the horse dance 
there. Mm. They had sweat lodges. They had four learning teepees where they had different elders and knowledge wow. keepers teaching about different things. Um, and it was it was incredible. And so after that event, they realized, you know, there is quite a following for mm-hmm. Wildiety in Canada. And we should probably have a conference. Nice. So right now, the elders in central Alberta are discussing, you know, can we make that happen here? Right on. Right. And so they're exploring those topics. So, I mean, we're, we're keeping an ear yeah. to what could happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Calgary. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> we can make it happen here. Absolutely. But yeah. we'll see what, what the elders decide is. Will be yeah, first, obviously. You know? but. And then um, what else is happening? Is there, um, I know there's been a lot of interest to try and get like facilitator, more facilitators trained. Mm-hmm. Has there been anybody approach you to either partner with it or to, um, I guess, work with you, Freedom's Path, to bring a, the facilitator training to Calgary rather than Central Alberta? That would be amazing. Yeah. And, and it is on my radar, <laughs> and I, I keep a list of the people who are interested in the training okay. who have written to us. Um, I wasn't successful with the grants to try and bring the training to Calgary, but Yet. I'm still trying, right? So yeah. it's still something I'm working on. Right on. Um, because Central Alberta is not easy for everybody to travel to. You know? yeah. And the more facilitators, the more healing, the better it is for everybody. Absolutely, right? yeah. Well, and they have trainers in Alberta. Yeah. So it, it, it's not like you're getting somebody from, you know, Texas to come up here to train like there are trainers here so that's kind of cool yeah it really is awesome and they're fantastic trainers yeah and um, I actually got my last tattoo at our at our last well that's right yeah yeah because um, what was her name Tracy yeah I think so yeah Yeah, well she had a tattoo that just inspired me it was the first time I had seen a cultural tattoo that was like I need something like that (laughs) right on so um so yeah definitely on my radar if people have like ideas behind that I'm open to suggestions yeah right? obviously yeah yeah and I guess um, <clears throat> one of the last things I guess to just kind of mention is um, like I think these programs they're obviously available everywhere mm-hmm. um, and I think it's really just a matter of people needing to find people that will put in the effort to to get the programs up and running in their area mm-hmm. um, but maybe like how, how vital do you see these programs to people's healing and people's and helping communities heal and things like that yeah. like is it because I think it's I to me it seems pretty vital yeah um, and, like, and I'm gonna get a little deep on you here for a minute okay I'm biased yep. about indigenous culture I, I do feel that because we are on indigenous land this is this is our home on native land right I feel that it benefits everyone living here to learn about these teachings Yes. And to connect with the culture, to connect with the, um, the elders' knowledge and understand why for thousands of years the indigenous culture thrived mm-hmm. prior to colonization. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that they talk about in the medicine wheel and the 12 steps is there are four great races, right, yeah. that, are, that are in talk through the medicine wheel. And this program can benefit any person. Yeah. Right. So this is, yes, it's Indigenous led for Indigenous people. But I honestly believe anyone from any culture that is living here in Canada benefits from learning it. That's a good point. 
and not not only for recovery from addictions or trauma, yeah. but in recovery from colonization. For sure. You know, and how we're going to move forward as a people living on these lands yeah. moving forward. So there, there's a big part of me that feels that it's very important for Indigenous people to have their own spaces, but it is important for non-Indigenous people to learn these teachings as well. Well, and I think that's a really valid point, and I think... Um, you know, I think it's important for non-Indigenous to go into those spaces and realize that those are Indigenous spaces and they are welcome there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never seen people kicked out of an Indigenous event for not being Indigenous. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it, it's breaking down those barriers, I think, because a lot of people, like, there's just too many barriers. There's too much division. Yeah. And it's, it's really, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the fault of anybody in particular. Mm-hmm. I think it's the fault of government policies and all the col- politics and the colonialism that goes with that, yeah. that we've all been all been forced into. Mm-hmm. I mean, because um, I was thinking about this the other day, like, you know, f- the reality is Britain's done this all over the planet. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah. so just because people are in Canada now and they're non-Indigenous mm-hmm. doesn't mean they haven't felt the effects of colonization on their family mm-hmm. and haven't had these traumas inflicted on them. And it would help them. It would benefit them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's not always comfortable. Yeah. Right? Particularly, like, if you talk, listen to any of David's podcasts where he's talking about Indigenous issues or talking with someone yeah. who's Indigenous. He's very humble to the fact that he is a white man yeah, yeah. in Indigenous spaces. right? For and sure. he doesn't actually even use his facilitation um, certification because it's not his place. He yeah. does not feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, but having the education of learning what it looks like has been really profound on him. And one of the things he he mentions quite regularly is when we were attending, and this is his story, and I'm I'm paraphrasing his story. For sure. But when we were attending the training program, someone looked at him and said, you know, it's not your fault, but we have to be able to talk about these things. Yeah. Right? colonization, genocide, it's not your fault. Yeah. But indigenous voices need to talk about it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that is painful <coughs> for yeah. people who are on the colonizer side of things. For sure. Right? And and being of mixed heritage myself, I look at both of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Because my my non-indigenous side of my family was a part of that. Absolutely. Right? And so I yeah. have to acknowledge that I, my family lineage is, is also part of that painful history. Yeah. You know, and how am I going to work towards decolonizing and, and breaking down those structures? So I don't know if that's um, answering your question about <laughs> how well variety can help other people. But um, but I think that's important because it, it just goes to the point that everybody can get something out of it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, going into it, uh, David didn't know much about what happened to Indigenous, like most people in Canada, yeah, there's no, not really any education about it. Mm-hmm. So when you find out that what happened in residential school, it's horrifying. It is. I mean, I remember being a kid and, and I was raised like in a non-Indigenous family and, or well, an Indigenous family with non-Indigenous ties to culture, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Assimilated. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's exactly it. So then when I started learning about residential school, I think I was like 12 or 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, it was horrifying. Mm-hmm. And you just sit there thinking, how does a human being 
do these things to other human beings. Yeah. You know, and but it's so it, it is hard. Um, and I like you know my wife always say says you know we need to we need to have the truth before we can have the reconciliation. Absolutely. And I think that's an important step that in a lot of cases gets missed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like these programs and and just the space that's created allows people at least some sort of comfort level to come in and and speak their truth Mm -hmm. and just say what's going on rather than have to filter it to make it appealing or or less difficult for other people to hear Mm -hmm. it's and so it it will be challenging i think for for non-indigenous who maybe don't know the full extent of what the trauma is that has been put upon yeah i i have said to a couple people who are non-indigenous who are interested in the program do a blanket exercise first. Yeah. You know, the blanket exercise will teach, <clears throat> will, will not only teach you the history, but yep. you will be interactive with that history. Yeah. And helping you to understand where people are coming from in that trauma. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think jumping in with uh, both feet into these programs would be difficult. Yep. And, uh, but at the same time, too, you know, these, like, um, you know, the programs are meant for Indigenous people, and I think it's, what I like too is that it's not, you know, it's not exclusionary of anybody. Mm-hmm. So in in Canada's case, it's Inuit, Métis, and First Nations. Well, yep. that's all non-status, status doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's just come in and work on your shit. Really, Absolutely. is what it boils down to. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I from what I can see already in the programs, it starts to build community, mm-hmm. even within the programs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an important thing. That's been destroyed, absolutely forcibly. Yeah, um, and and particularly I've seen it happen for people who are, you know, sixty scoop millennium scoop survivors. Yeah, right, because they don't have <clears throat> those some family roots connecting them to the totally. community. Yeah, they were raised in non-indigenous families. You know, you can't just walk. Well, you can just walk up to somebody on the street and say, hey, you're indigenous too, but it's going to be awkward. Yeah. You know, um, but in those situations to say, hey, we all have a common shared thing. Let's connect. I've seen yeah. friendships growing out of it. Absolutely. And, and it's been really cool to watch. One of the things that um, Michelle, my wife, and I talk about is not having to explain the trauma. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think you know, even with uh, people that weren't raised in with indigenous culture, you know, through 60 Scoop or whatever other forced removal, mm-hmm. um, for them to be able to walk into that space, I, the, what's nice is they can walk in and they don't have to explain why that hurts them yeah. or how that's affected. Like, they will and they can, but everybody in the room tends to know and understand that already. Yeah. And so I think that you're, you're, it's just kind of a different atmosphere, a different level of understanding. So you, you can just walk in and you're already starting off ahead of the game mm-hmm. as far as trauma and things like that. Yeah, and, and that is something I have to explain when I'm writing those grants, right? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel like I, I should mention this. Um, when the culture, the land, the community was removed from Indigenous people during colonization, this left a void that was very easy to fill with substances, with behaviors that were unhealthy with bad foods yeah we were and those were forced upon us and made very easy so for my family the loss of culture was immediately followed by alcoholism yeah because what do you replace 
the loss of your identity, the loss yeah. of your family, the the way that you were brought up has been completely obliterated. What else are you going to replace it with? Absolutely. Right. And so a lot of people don't get that. Yeah. They're like, oh, just get over it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, the well, famous was very easy. You know, it's it's <coughs> tricky to help somebody understand why it's so hard to get over it. And I'm yeah. using finger air quotes <laughs> um, when you're talking about like multiple generations of lost identity, culture, and land connections. Absolutely. Right? Like it's, it's, and it's also something that's tricky for people to understand who are in programs like AA mm-hmm. and are non-Indigenous because they're like, well, just get God, get sober, and get on with it. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, well, no, actually, that program doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Because da, 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 and you have to go through explaining it all to them. So not having to explain those things and being yeah. in a space where people get it. Yeah. Right. And uh, and is, is absolutely incredible. I'm so grateful for those. Opportunities. Yeah. No. And well, and that's. I, for me, that's kind of why I wanted to have you on here was because it was it, like going through the past year and going through the facilitator training and now actually facilitating uh, one of the programs. Like it's 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 changed me completely. Mm-hmm. I feel like really not not completely. Like I'm you know still have some bad habits, but uh, <laughs> but it's just completely changed how I look at people mm. in general. So even like you know you do stupid things like ride the C train in the morning and you're you know. Every once in a while, I'll look around, and it just changes the way I look at people. Because I, what's I I I, can't, I immediately go to like, well, what's the backstory to that person's life? Yeah. Or that person's life. Because mm-hmm. when you're in a you know when you're in a crowd of people, you can see people who are vi- like visibly unhappy, mm-hmm. and they're not just unhappy because you know they got to go to work today. Like you can see it's a deeper thing, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think you know it's just a better understanding that you know we. We kind of all have trauma in some way. Yep. Um, but so, it, it, you know, I, I just, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just feel like that's kind of why I wanted to have you on here was just to talk about these programs because I didn't think they would, but they've, they've changed me. You know, they changed the direction of my life that I want to go in. And so I think it's like vital, I think, for people to to try to heal, to get, mm-hmm. get beyond this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's um, so profound. You yeah. should, well, I shouldn't should you, but... <laughs> It's okay, you can't. If you let Don Coyus know yeah. that that's, that's impacted you like that, I'm sure that would be awesome for them to hear. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should send an email. Because, yeah. um, I mean, that's, <coughs> that in and of itself is transformative. Because now every person that you interact with who is maybe grouchy because yeah. of, you know, things that are happening at home that aren't happy, instead of you just thinking, oh, they're just a grouch, yeah. Now you're like, oh, maybe this person is actually <clears throat> living with some trauma yeah. that I don't understand and I have a bit more compassion. And that makes the whole world a better place. Well, that's just it. And then the reality is, is there's so few opportunities for people to heal mm-hmm. or to do a program like these programs because they're not freely available everywhere. You can't go to your doctor and be like, hey, I want to take the mending broken hearts and have them go, great, here's a list of the 12 places you can go in Calgary. Like, yeah. And, and even beyond non-Indigenous, there's just not those resources. There's not that healing availability. Yeah, and that's a lot of why Freedom's Path Recovery Society was created. Mm-hmm. It's because of those lack of space, lack of availability, yeah. the requirement for referrals to get into mm-hmm. these programs, the costs associated with these programs. Yeah, I mean, we have made recovery 
as difficult to access as possible. Oh yeah. In our society, and so Freedom's Path Recovery Society was looking at how can we overcome those barriers? How can we break yeah. them down? Yeah. And so yeah, maybe one day you can just walk in and be like, "There's 12 places you can get this." Well, then, yeah. That would be awesome. And I guess we should mention too that like if you go to the White Bison face or uh, website, they have the meetings listed, mm-hmm. and, and our Calgary meetings are there. I yeah. I went there the other day and checked it out, and they're there. Yeah, and they even have a when a Thursday evening meeting online. Oh, okay, that so, I didn't know. Yeah, I, it just popped into my head that if you are somewhere where there is no meetings whatsoever, you can go online and they have group meetings on there. Nice. Yeah. And then for so, and then you can also find out about a lot of their other training and stuff that they're doing uh, and where it is and what's going on on there as well. So I just. Um, I guess just to kind of close it out, just to plug White Bison a little bit. Um, so if anybody wants to check that out, you can uh, sign up for like daily meditations, which mm-hmm. is all elders, yep. uh, voices that have come up with these these daily meditations and things like that. So it's a real good place to get inspiration and um, I guess to start your day off the right way or whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is that affects you. Yeah, um, whitebison.org. That's right. Yeah. And if anybody in Calgary wants to find out about it, they mm-hmm. can just contact Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Yeah, and okay. uh, we, yeah, so info at Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Okay. Um, I have a Gmail that's yeah. White Bison Calgary at Gmail. Okay. Calgary White Bison. Oops, yeah. Cut that out. I don't remember <coughs> which one it is. And, uh, yeah. But yeah, the, you guys have a website, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. So Absolutely. it's... Um, so I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything, I guess, the one last thing you want to say to anybody about these programs or about um, the, that we haven't already covered? Recovery is a community endeavor. Mm. Right? So if you're sitting here and you're, you've made it through this whole podcast and you're like, wow, that's really interesting, but I don't think it would apply to me. You know, as a charity, we're accepting donations. Yeah. Send the information to someone that you think might be interested. Invite them to the event. Even letting someone know that you support them as they're going through their most difficult, dark points in their life is going to help everyone. Yeah. Right? So that would be the only thing I would close out saying. And that's a beautiful thing to close out on. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Darcy. Yeah.